FYI, and I don't mean fake news, this podcast contains huge spoilers. Hey everybody, welcome to episode 218 of the podcast that goes snicked. I'm your host, Jason. Hey, who knew that 80s wise guy and 90s country club kitchen staff uniforms were exactly the same? Minimal. And I'm joined by flashback co-host Cameron, purple pants clearance center. Oh, shit. It's Cameron Purple Pants Clearance Sale Sinclair. <laughs> hey For the record, I took a pretty bad spill today and bit my tongue. I have a big old blister on it, so. Ouch. Yeah, um, we have a jogging stroller, which is what it sounds like. You're, I mean, you don't have to jog with it. It's not required, but it's what? made to, like, run. And Ollie really loves that being in that. He just loves being outside. He loves taking rides in the stroller. So we were getting ready to go to Ethan's uh, baseball game today. And um, I was going to take the stroller around. We kind of had some stuff in the pass me by the garage. So I was going to take it out the front door where we park it and just run it around to the, the car in the back. And Ollie saw me get the stroller, but he wasn't in it. So he started throwing a fit. So I tried to do it really fast. So I ran down the alley with the stroller, which it's intended to do, but the front wheel locked. That's weird. And so it flipped, and it flipped me over, and so I rolled down the alley with the stroller, and um, yeah, like got road burn on my leg and my hip, and got a big old nasty bruise and bit my tongue. But the podcast must go on. Did you do the Danny Glover? <laughs> I'm getting too old for this shit. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I should have. That's the only response to things like that. I did curse. <laughs> yeah. As I laid, laid dying in the alley. Yeah, that's pretty rough. I'm glad you survived. Me too. Me too. But anyway, this is a flashback episode. Flashback! There you go. And uh, we're going to do uh, Wolverine Year 15 Part 2. We're going to finish up our Madripoor story we started last time. We're going to cover Wolverine 789. Nice. Hey, Jason, why is 6 afraid of 7? Because <laughs> 789. <laughs> ah, <but> <laughs> and that is the quality humor you have come to expect on the podcast that goes snicked. <laughs> and we're gonna I, feel like about, I feel like you're about to launch into a PBS telephone. <laughs> yeah. Please send your donations to... This is, a great kind of, this is the kind of great programming we get on a daily basis. <laughs> this tote bag. <laughs> oh, so you, gotta get, you gotta get real close to the mic and talk right. real low. So, Cameron, I was thinking about, you know, Wolverine is such an important character. You know, he's got the claws and the, the weird hair, and sometimes he smokes and talks real rough. Just an American icon. It's kind of the underbelly of, like, a blue-collar hero. It's important to the American worker. Yes, I agree. Let's take a couple of calls. <laughs> Hey, uh, Judy, I'm calling for <laughs> calling for Fort Worth, Texas. I like Wolverine's claws. Long time, first time. <laughs> oh, brother. Are the claws longer than his hair or shorter than his hair? Yeah. That's a good question. It is a good question. I guess it depends on whether you're Sam, talking about Sam Keith or not. <laughs> but, um, anyway. It varies. Yeah. It varies. But yeah, so that's what we're going to do. We're going to talk about uh, the rest of this Wolverine story of him and the Madripoor underworld. And um, yeah, Cameron's going to kick us off with number seven. 
Number seven. Mr. Fixit comes uh, to town. All right, number seven. All right, we have Chris Claremont, John Bushima, artist Ken Brusenak, letterer Mike Rockwitz, colorist, and the regular crew. Yeah, yeah, so new letterer, new colorist, which I think shows. We'll talk about that as we go. Um, the cover is by Bushima, John Bushima, and I was pretty disappointed. Well, let me ask you this, because you're reading it in uh, MU, right? Which is yes. Marvel Unlimited. Uh, this was the only one of these of these first nine issues that we did that for me I don't have a back cover. Did you have a back cover? Uh, I think so. Oh, okay. And you didn't because you didn't send it to me, and I was wondering why you didn't when you texted me all those, not knowing that I had the back covers. Right. Yeah. Uh, oh, you know what? You're right. I don't have one on this one too. Yeah, it's weird. I wonder why they skipped this one. I wonder who I bailed. Know. Who bailed on the back cover for Wolverine number seven? I was thinking that there was one, but I guess not. Yeah. Yeah, I know. What is that about? <laughs> well, anyway, what do we have on the front cover? Ah. All right. So the first cover we have a Wolverine, no patch. Yeah. With uh, Hulk, a gray Hulk in a nice suit. Yeah, Mister Fixit persona. Back to back, with Karma in between them. Yeah. And then a whole bunch of mad-looking dudes surrounding them. Yeah, a bunch of street Life thugs. Chains, baseball bats. Yeah. <clears throat> There's even a bat or a stick with some nails coming out of it. Yeah. Yeah. I'm going to assume Very that Negan is somewhere in this crowd. I assume this is the inspiration for Negan right here. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's it's a pretty cool cover. I like the, the shading. A lot of blues. Yeah. You know what I mean? I'm not I'm not a huge fan of Karma being super damsel in distress standing between them because she's pretty powerful. Yeah, it doesn't really fit her her role. Although in this issue, it kind of does. Yeah. Because this issue, she doesn't do much but kind of stand around. Yeah. But yeah, I think in general, it does kind of make her look more like a... Oh, help me, guys. Help random, me. Yeah, ra- random girl, bystander. Right. But overall, not a bad cover. Not bad. You got Roadblock at the very bottom corner there again. With the headband? The bandana. Oh, nice, yeah. And a pipe. So we get on the inside. We open up with... Uh, oh, I was going to say... I'll save it for later. All right, so we open up with a scene of Hulk, Gray Hulk. Yeah. Mr. Fixit. So are you aware of kind of the Mr. Fixit backstory? I vaguely remember it, but okay. not much. From there was, the yeah, there was a point in the late 80s where Hulk uh, went through some changes and some other explosions, and he came out of that as... So when the Hulk first appeared, like way back when, in the 60s, um, his, his transformation wasn't necessarily changed by anger. It was, he was Bruce Banner during the day, and the Hulk at night. In his original art by Jack Kirby, the Hulk was gray. And so, yeah. at this point in the, his timeline, he has returned to the gray Hulk, and he's Bruce Banner during the day, and the Hulk at night. But he's still, while he still has a bad attitude as the Hulk... He, he doesn't completely lose his intelligence like he did for most of his yeah. existence. And so he's a, he's a smart guy, or, you know, a reasonably intelligent guy, but he does, he does have a, he's pretty grumpy. But yeah. so he ended up, he kind of landed his way into Las Vegas where he kind of became like a security guy. An one enforcer. Of the yeah, an enforcer. Fixer type guy. Yeah, yeah. So, so that's, that's what he's, that's what's going on here. Yeah, but not necessarily mob. No, in fact, they kind of go to lengths to say that the guy he's working for is disassociated with the mob. Yeah, that'll be a plot point in this, in that he doesn't normally work for the mob, even though we open up here with him talking to a mob boss. Right. And he's definitely dressed like a mobster. (laughs) Oh, yeah. Where's his Tommy gun? (laughs) Yeah, right. So we open up Tahoe, Nevada, with a really cool pan, full-page panel of Mr. Fix-It Hulk in his suit. 
uh, with a guy holding a cigar. Uh, essentially, we have an American mobster played by Dean Martin talking about, <laughs> talking about how he has an investment in the Far East and he's afraid that the guy is not on the up and up. And so he wants Hulk to go over there and see what's going on. And so we, we have the idea that this is all legitimate we will very quickly find out that the person that this American mobster is tied up with is not is a criminal overlord. It's Coy, General Coy, right. yeah. which you know, big shock. The mobster is working with other criminals, <laughs> but for whatever reason, Hulk doesn't seem to figure that out till a little bit later. So, right. so yes, not as smart as Bruce Banner, no. <laughs> as you said, but not as dumb and not as. Uh, unintelligent not as caveman as the, the regular Hulk used to be for right. a long time alright so we have about two pages of that and then um, we cut to back to Madripoor to the prince's palace right where we left Wolverine and Karma and Tiger and Jessica Drew and Archie and all the Lindsay Macabre I think it's everybody isn't it yeah yeah you can count them all Lindsay's still dressed in the slave Leia outfit Tiger's still wearing the uh, the uh, Psylocke outfit. And anyway, so um, we open up with Wolverine. They're standing in a hole where General Coy is holding his niece and uh, Roughhouse and who's the other guy? Bloodsport. Bloodsport. No, it's very Not clearly him. Bloodsport at this point. He must His name must change later to disassociate from the Van Damme uh, film franchise. Because in Wikipedia, people keep calling him Blood Scream. Huh. But at this yeah, point, he's this. very clearly called Blood Sport. Interesting. Yeah. Huh. Yeah, I bet I bet when that movie came out. Well, it had already been out, right? I guess it just wasn't maybe as... I don't know. This is 88. Mm. When did Blood Sport come out? Oh, I know. Let's... You keep talking. I'll look it up. Oh, I'm already looking it up. Oh. I got I got to know. Gotta know. Dear Google. To that same year. Oh, okay. Maybe it was kind of overlapping then. I guess it came out about the same time. Yeah, it seems uh, older to me than 88, but... Yeah, well, that's because of the... Who is this? uh, Oh, what's the name of the the company? What company? Canon. Canon. All the crazy movies of the 80s from Canon Studios. Oh, yeah. Did you ever watch that documentary I told you to watch? <laughs> Probably not. <laughs> oh, they referenced it on How, How Does This Get, get made? made? Yeah. It's a great documentary about a, about an insane movie studio. I should watch I probably meant to watch it and forgot. Yeah, uh, I'm sure those Canon dudes uh, would have uh, tried to sue them for this. But oh, anyway. Probably, yeah. So yeah, so we open up with Wolverine and Gang about to win, basically is what it looks like, because Bloodsport and uh, Roughhouse are on the ground unconscious. And then the prince, Prince of Striper, as we discussed last time, <laughs> shows up with his heavy metal solo and a bunch of right. soldiers. Soldiers, soldiers of Madripoor. Nice. Yeah. Um, so, yes. Yeah, so he basically, and so anyway, we get into, all right, get back to my notes here. So, um, yes, uh, Prince shows up, starts berating them about how this is country, and he decides what happens but then he notices Lindsay and is taken aback by her sexiness and turns out her acting. Yeah, he recognizes her. He's a huge super fan, which they will only add to that story as we go forward in this comic. Yeah. And so he basically says, hey, you're the actor, Lindsay. All of these people are my friends. <laughs> <laughs> so he makes them all special guests. Right. Uh, Coy is pretty mad, doesn't get it, uh, but... Prince does it anyway, and so Coy goes along with it for the moment. Uh, we have a moment where Drew continues to call Wolverine Patch, even though he doesn't have a patch anymore. Right. But does have, and I wanted to talk about this because it gets really clear on the next page, a bizarre shade. I think it's supposed to just be a shadow. No, it's, he has like eye, uh, like eye black stuff that he wears. But it's so light. It is very light in this issue. And remember in previous like, issues, it kind of looked like spider webs. Yeah, 
That's true. Yeah, it's the same thing. I it's thought just... they kept trying to say it was a shadow or something because it's too. It seems like it's too light and it doesn't. It doesn't go around his head like a Ninja Turtle mask or anything. No, it's not. It's, it's like eyes. right. It's some kind of paint or like body something. It's not like a an article of clothing. But to be clear, something that in in no way hides his identity. Not not at this yet, point. No. Yet for some reason, everyone still doesn't know who he is. <laughs> right. Okay, well, I'm going to say that. Well, I, won't, I don't want to dwell on that too much, but that did yeah. constantly bother me. <laughs> <laughs> so, anyway, um, Wolverine's intrigued. Doesn't see why the prince is doing this. Koi's mad. Um, and so they we leave it there. Then we jump to a gas station in, I guess, supposed to be in Nevada. I don't know where China Lake <laughs> Naval they, Weapons Test Center is. Yeah. Or in U.S. Somewhere in the... He's in Nevada, and then he's in LAX, and so then I guess it's somewhere between. But anyway, yeah. we have some uh, a motorcycle gang that rolls up that ends up being a bunch of rich brats. <laughs> yeah, you you know the rich brat motorcycle gang, right? That um, hits in the on middle of the desert. The driver <laughs> hits on the driver, uh, uh, like a lady uh, chauffeur. chauffeur yeah, and then she says no. And so he punches her in the face and keys the limo and then taunts whoever's in the limo. Turns out it's Mr. Fix-It. Right. So he wrecks all their bikes. <laughs> yeah. And then, and then calls the guy a pimple and starts to squeeze his head. <laughs> yeah. You know what happens to pimples. And then and then he tells them all they're going to help fix the limo and then turn themselves into the cops. Yeah. So we cut back to Madripoor where Tiger is stressing out because she can't get Psylocke's suit off. Because <laughs> only Jessica, I mean, uh, only Lindsay can. And so she's worried about starving to death because I guess she can't eat through the mask. Right. Wolverine shows up, helps her take the mask off. He's got his mask back on, his eye patch. And his little tiny eye patch shows back up. He helps her take the mask off, and then they discuss... He basically tries to pitch her an idea in which Koi will run the worst parts of the underground, slave trade, the bad drugs, and then Tiger will run the rest of the criminal enterprises, and they'll all balance each other out, Which she, because I guess the prince is worried that Koi's not trustworthy to be the only crime lord, and Tiger is too much fighting if she's the only crime lord. And so this way we have a balance. Tiger is skeptical, but Wolverine pushes the idea that this is the only way. Then we have a really weird series of panels that do nothing but tell us that Hulk has a bunch of bags. <laughs> he tra he does not he, travel light. And that he's getting on a plane. Yeah. That's all we get. LAX, a bunch of baggage complainers complaining about how many bags he has. Cut back to Madripoor, where Tiger is accepting the offer. Wolverine and uh, Jessica Drew worry about karma as she leaves with her uncle. Uh, then we go into Prince's super fan room Ooh, where he creepy. has all these statues of Lindsay in all her different outfits. And so then we take a journey through the film history of Lindsay Macabre. Yeah. In which she actually describes the plots to four different films. Right. To and them. She, yeah. And then she mentions kind of an unsavory film. <laughs> Yeah, and we don't see the statue for. Sorry, Pat. Um, uh, bummer. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, <clears throat> basically, tells her story of how she got there, about all the movies, and then trying to decide to do plays, and then getting mixed up with Jessica Drew. Meanwhile, Drew's really worried about karma. Worried that the prince is going to try to take more from Lindsay than uh, she's willing to give. So then we cut to the hotel where Koi is. <clears throat> Koi's wrecking a room. Karma's getting naked, and Roughhouse storms in, acting all rapey. <laughs> yeah, he's very rapey. And then Wolverine punches him in the face, which knocks him down long enough for Karma to then take control of his mind and put him to sleep. And so here they, Karma basically says she's going to stick with Koi because he's the only way to find her kidnapped brother and sister. Right. Which I totally even forgot that was part of the plot. Like that. <laughs> That so got lost in what we're talking about. Right. Totally forgot that was the whole point of her being with the uncle. So I was like, oh, oh yeah. <laughs> so yeah. 
Uh, and she's worried because Mr. Fixit's on the way to deal with Coy. And so she's worried he's going to get hurt. So Wolverine decides to go to the airport. Well, yeah, so the last issue where Wolverine... Or was it the last issue or the one before? I don't remember. But when Wolverine destroyed all the crops, the drug crops... Yeah. That's what put General Coy in bad standing with his American backer. Ah, uh, yes. And that's yeah, why that's Mr. Right. Fix is coming, because they lost all that money. That yeah, because he's an opium trader. Although they talk about opium, and then they talk about cocaine later. Yeah, what is drugs? Right, right. But they don't, you know, cocaine doesn't grow. Whatever. Anyway, <laughs> all right. So, um... <clears throat> going to point plot holes in where drugs are grown. Right. Uh, but anyway, so, uh, yes, yeah, so that's the point. So Mr. Fixit's on his way. So Wolverine goes to the airport to see who this Mr. Fixit is. And then we see Mr. Fixit get into a fight with a baggage handler who then pulls out a gun and shoots him in the face, which seems pretty dramatic for a baggage handler. <laughs> right. And he's um, madripoor. That's true. And then, uh, of course, it doesn't hurt Mr. Fix-It any. And then that little fight turns into a fight with everybody, and everybody's got guns and sticks and stuff. And so they start going nuts. Wolverine worries about bystanders, so he gets involved, helps stop the fight. And we end up with uh, Mr. Fix-It putting a grenade in his hand and letting it blow up. And then they decide to join forces, and Mr. Fixit asks Wolverine to drive him to the hotel because the chauffeur's too scared. And he says, sure. And so they get to the hotel, Wolverine sneaks in, and then when he sees Mr. Fixit laying on the bed, it's tiny little Bruce Banner and the giant Mr. Fixit. So it was really funny, I thought. I did too. I thought that was a great panel. And then Wolverine, I guess at, I, I guess at this point, realizes it's Hulk. Yeah. Kind of seems like he doesn't recognize Hulk because I mean he's Gray Hulk and so he looks different. Well, he does say doesn't he say something about like the guy fights like the Hulk like he is he's, he's kind of a, is suspicious, but then when he sees him laying on the bed, he knows for sure. Yeah, and he's and it's 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 really never clear at what point they recognize each other. Even in the next issue, as we get into the next thing. It's still unclear if Hulk recognizes Wolverine or not. I mean, they, right. they kind of deliberately leave it that way. Yeah. So, you know, who knows? But yeah, so that's kind of... So I guess at this point, then it's for sure he realizes, oh, it's definitely Hulk. This is going to be fun, he says. Yeah. And then, yeah, no back no back gallery cover. Yeah. That's too bad. So I love going back to the, the first Madripoor scene and kind of the standoff with the prince that... um. Wolverine says, the prince may be the ruler of Madripoor, but I'm Wolverine. And that was yeah. a great line. There's, uh, the only other kind of thing I had was on page 17, there's an allusion to kind of some chemistry between Wolverine and Jessica Drew, but then, you know, nothing can ever happen. Yeah, he um, references, luckily for both of them, she doesn't feel the same way. Right, yeah. Yep. And then, of course, you already pointed out the, the hilarious panel of Banner and the giant suit. I do also like when the baggage guy shoots Mr. Fixit in the face. He says he's not going to get a tip. <laughs> yeah. Oh, that, that was, was funny. funny. Yeah. So, um, on page 14 and 15, where Wolverine is explaining to Tiger kind of his plan or his deal, um... I think it's a creative solution where he says, yeah. you know, the prince isn't going to give up on the seedier parts. Like the, right. the, the prince wants the drugs in, the, in this, I guess, human trafficking. And you're yeah. not, you're not going to do it, right? I want you to still be the underlord. But if you're going to be the underlord and not do that, someone has to do that part for you. So it might as well be right. General Coy. Um, it's very creative, and it definitely comes from kind of a, you know, because he says to Tiger, you have the instincts, but I got the years. So it speaks to his experience. Um, all right, so I wrote down that Wolverine's logic on the prince's proposal was an interesting take on a morally gray situation, but not sure if it's the one he would take. Discuss. 
that you're not sure that it's the position Wolverine would take? Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. I think, I feel like Wolverine is setting this all up, though. I don't know that this is Wolverine thinking that I want. Because then Jessica Drew makes the comment about Wolverine being his chancellor. And then Wolverine's like, well played. Like, obviously, that's not what I want to do. Right. And so I think, like, like Wolverine's going to be the consigliere. Consigliere, however you say that. Um, but yeah, I, I think I, I at least my take on it was that this was a really clever way to calm things down. Okay. Because even as we go forward, we see Wolverine is wrecking all the coy stuff. <laughs> right. He gets the whole. I mean, the next the issue, he gets the True. Hulk True. to do stuff, and so I think Wolverine's idea is to settle things down to keep Koi alive, so that Karma can find her brother and sister. To protect Tiger, but not give Tiger too much power. Okay. And to kind of keep the prince out of everyone's business. Right. He has a new arrangement that he feels happy about, so right. business as usual. The, pr- the prince doesn't have to be paranoid about who's trying to gain power. Okay. And that lets Wolverine go back to the shadows and work his work his magic. All right. All right. What else you got for this issue? Um, the only other thing is that at the airport, either Hulk or his chauffeur, one of them, says, let me find it. Well, while you're looking for that, I do like how they, the people, the baggage handlers under the plane see the Hulk's footprints as he walks through the plane. Oh, yeah. They can see he's walking on the plane. Oh. Yeah, as Hulk is shoving the bags and the baggage handler into the uh, <laughs> trunk of the car, the the, uh, the chauffeur says, "I will cellular telephone ahead to the hotel." Oh, <laughs> I thought that was really funny. But <laughs> they spelled that whole thing out. I will cellular telephone ahead to the hotel. Oh yeah, it's a new concept. Not I will call the hotel. Right. Or text. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Right. <laughs> yeah. But otherwise, yeah, I had nothing, nothing, I don't have anything else. All right. What do you think of the art in this book? Uh, it's pretty good. Grey Hulk is not necessarily my favorite Hulk, but I do like it, and I really like Hulk in the Dapper Dan suit. Yeah, though he looks a lot like, um, or at least the way Buscema draws him in this issue, looks a lot like... Um, not the Marvel hammerhead, but the Dick Tracy hammerhead. He does. Like, like his eyebrow in particular. Yeah, I was going to say it looks kind of like uh, the, who's the gorilla guy, the DC gorilla guy? Gorilla Grodd? Grodd, maybe? Yeah. No, because Grodd's just a gorilla. Oh. I don't know. But yeah, you're the Dick Tracy, that's a better one. I didn't think about that one. Dick Tracy hammerhead, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, but I, I, you know, otherwise, I, I like the way Wolverine's drawn. It's, it still kind of fits. It still kind of fits the, old, the kind of, as we talked about, kind of the grown-up comic strip art, but not as much as before. Well, it's but interesting. A lot, that is, a lot of that is colors, which I guess we'll get into in a second. Yeah, a lot of that's color, and also Buscema inked himself this issue. Uh, yeah. So there's some slight differences in some of his art that I thought was interesting. The colors to me uh, don't quite hold up to what we've had in the book so far. Everything seems almost a little bit too bright all the time, or too maybe it's too saturated. I don't know. Yeah. There's no, like... On the digital... I don't know if it's different on the digital version. It's pretty bright, but it it looks nice. Okay. But I don't know in in the comic if it looks exactly the same. Well, there's no, you know, Oliver did a lot of stuff where colors would kind of bleed into each other. Everything yeah. in here, at least in, in the print comic, like everything's in the lines. Everything's like a solid, like when something's colored between the pencil lines, it's all like one solid color. So like all the yeah. backgrounds are one solid color, the floors and the skies and whatever, there's, everything's just very like... I don't know, to yeah. me it just feels like, um, and no no offense to this Mike Rockwitz person, I'm not familiar with her career, but it just doesn't seem as subtle as Oliver, and I kind of miss yeah. that subtlety. 
Do you think that this is digital? Uh, probably at this point, most of the maybe Marvel that, stuff was, or at least a hybrid. Maybe that has maybe that has something to do with it. Possibly, it could. I mean, by this point, they've gotten better at the digital, but but I, I don't know. I, that it kind of seemed a little, but I don't know if that's because of the app or not. But yeah, I agree with you. There's not as much texture in the colors. Yes, and especially that, the background. The background's a lot of just single solid color backgrounds. Right, which has a very like old school comic strip approach to it as well. Yeah. So I don't know. It's but not it's not my favorite choice, but it's not bad. You miss a lot of you miss a lot of background that I guess I didn't really think about it, but as I kinda of go back through the detail in the background that you'd get on, you know, bookshelves and things like that, you don't that's kinda of all absent in this issue. Right. Interesting. But yeah. But overall I, I still think it's good. Yeah. So what do you think of the, the overall story of this issue? I liked it. I thought it was funny. I, yeah. I was in, in the way that I I was less interested in the before and the, the three before. Um, this one, I think it, it got my interest up again. I think kind of the, the more complexity of the different warring factions and just, I don't know, this seemed to move and it was funny. And the Hulk, although he's not doing much in this issue except coming being right. on his way what <laughs> is he <laughs> yeah 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 being on his way we'll say yeah but uh, yeah this uh, i liked it a lot i, I thought very, he was a really nice addition to this story yeah i agree and just uh, the way that claremont writes him and and i mean at this point peter david is still doing the hulk book and he does a great job with it too but claremont's approach to mr fixit was just really it was funny without being too like jokey, but it was just kind of naturally yeah. like, and just just humorous situations that he found himself in. Yep, yeah, I agree. Kind of just being a, a big grumpy smartass was just I don't know, just really I don't know, made me laugh. I enjoyed it. So, what are you gonna grade Wolverine number seven? I think probably I don't know, struggling between a four and a five. Yeah, I did too. I think, I think I'll, I think I'll just give it a five. I'm just going to go for it. Okay. Well, I think the, the the colors, like we said, I think would reveal the one thing that kind of make me want to bring it down a little bit, but. Right. Fair enough. Um, I think I'll go just to be different. I'll go four out of six claws, but I was right on that line between a four and a five. So either way, I really enjoyed it. It was fun. Or maybe some things I thought could have been a little better, but overall had had a good time with it. So that's yeah. going to move us in to Wolverine number eight. If it ain't broke, this is by Chris Claremont and John Buscema, of course. Uh, Ken Brusniak stays on as letterer, and Glennis Oliver returns to do the colors. Uh, we have a front cover by Buscema that I love. I love this I cover. Love this front cover. Uh, the wardrobe's a little silly, kind of the white tuxedo jackets and the black pants but it's Mr. Fixit and Patch kind of le- uh, Mr. Fixit has his arms crossed and Patch is leaning on him um, a really big height disparity which I thought was funny but but yeah. fitting and then just a blank blue background I don't know I just I like this cover a lot I, in fact this is one of those comics that I, I whenever I pull it out I always think oh I want to buy a new one of these because mine has a stupid coffee stain or something i got this out of like a 50 cent bin at some point in my childhood and it has like a some kind of liquid stain like right around wolverine's feet and so whenever i pull this out i'm always like oh i want to get a new one (laughs) because i like this cover so much but um it's pretty great all right so check this out what uh this this cover reminded me of what does this cover remind you of a movie oh now i feel like it should um, I can't think really tall Arnold Schwarzenegger twins. Really short, Danny oh my goodness, it does look like the twins move like the movie okay, poster. Guess what, guess what year twins came out? 1988. 1988. <laughs> so we got Bloodsport and Twins. We know what Chris Claremont's uh ticket stubs looked like that year, know, right? And I wonder if because this is well, this is June, so it's still pretty early in. Well, it's a June cover date, but 
Um, I don't know that necessarily. It would have come out a little bit before that. Oh, so it'll be even earlier. Yeah, because it says December 88 when Twins came out. Oh, yeah. So. so I wonder if he just saw like a promo of Twins or if it's not at all related and it just happens to look a lot well, like this it. Is, this is 89. This would have come out, this issue would have come out early 89. So he would have seen Twins. Oh, I thought you said. Did I say 88 earlier? I meant just, I messed up then. Okay, yeah, you said 88 earlier. So. Okay. Okay. So Bloodsport had already been out for a while, too, then. Okay. Yeah. So there yeah. you go. Anyway. So yeah, what if he named that character Bloodsport, and then they got mad at him, and so then he changed it? Yeah. I'll try to tweet a comparison image of this cover and the Twins movie cover. <laughs> and this is yeah. pretty and classic. They were probably making drawing this cover right after that movie. Yeah. That's funny. That's really funny. And it kind of fits the concept. Kind of the odd yeah, couple. Yeah. All right. Yeah. Well, before we get into the issue, we do have a back cover by Rob Liefeld, which yeah. is pretty great, I think. Um, we have Wolverine kind of bending over with his claws out. He's got arrows in his shoulder. Um, with, you know, Liefeld's kind of playing with visual uh, sense. Probably too many arrows to fit in one shoulder, but hey, it looks cool. And yeah. then he's surrounded by a circle of ninjas. And they got bloody swords. It's obviously in the middle of a fight, like the breath in a fight. Like they've been fighting, they're taking a quick pause, and Wolverine's about to fight some more. Um, yeah. And say what you want about Rob Liefeld, this is a great image, I think. Yeah, I agree. I like this. It's just dynamic. You know, and I talked about a little bit on the Atlantis Attacks episode, and we will have some other opportunities in the future to discuss Liefeld on the podcast. But for all, like, as uncool or unhip as it is to be a fan of his right now, you know, (laughs) with comic hipsters, reading his early stuff, it's really easy to see why he was such a superstar. Yeah. Because the stuff was so different and just so... It like jumps off the page at you. And yeah. So in- Go ahead. I was saying it's just so interesting. Yeah. It is. It's so it's original. A lot of the mainstream guys and even, you know, even guys that I like a lot from this era. It was just so different. Yeah. It's just dynamic and energetic. Yeah. And even with some of his problems, like it's just easy to see why you know, back then everybody ate it up because it's just, yep. it looks great. Yep. 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 I agree. All right. So in this issue, uh, Wolvie pranks, he just pulls a prank on Hulky with a room full of purple pants. <laughs> so funny. Angry Hulk in a towel. Yes. <laughs> yep. So funny. And they can't find any real clothes, just purple pants. Uh, Mr. Fix it, busting the princess bar, looking for patch. He wants info, and Patch is the info guy in Madripoor. Fix-It gets his suit ruined by a sewage truck, so Patch gets him some purple pants. <laughs> <laughs> they bust up a quote-unquote establishment and free some slave girls. Patch continues to lead Fix-It by the nose in pursuit of this so-called information, using him and his temper to destroy a big cocaine factory and other holdings by General Coy. You know, this happens to be General Coy's property, and Coy confronts Fix-It, but Fix-It threatens him from treating him like a tool. Um, or a fool, maybe. I'm not sure which one I wrote there. Might have some IT's get mixed up. Um, yeah. Coy and his goons wisely chicken out. Fix-It agrees to leave Madripoor, but not before decking Patch, letting him know that he knows who he really is, Wolverine. But Wolverine gets the last word tricking Fix-It into flying home during the daylight. He hates the daylight. It keeps totally hooking up Bruce Banner. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which is interesting that we don't get any Banner stuff. No, we don't see it, yeah. It's all Grey Hulk and then just references to Banner, which I thought was a pretty interesting... Right. I don't remember in in the Hulk comics at this time if it was like that too or if they're still doing a lot of Banner and Grey Hulk stuff. Um, there's some Banner stuff, but it's pretty Grey Hulk heavy. They focus on his job, you know, at 
at the casinos and stuff like that, at least in the early part of the run. Yeah, that's what, that's what I was thinking, but I couldn't remember. Interesting. Yeah, I, I love how it's always had that feel, but this scene of Lindsay McCabe singing at the Princess Bar is like literally like they took a, a, a cell film from uh, Casablanca. Yeah, well, he makes the reference to Casablanca, yes. too. I thought yeah. it really, really added to that idea. Right. And now Wolverine's got the nice suit on. Everybody in their yeah, nice suit. Yeah, I thought that suit. was good. I thought the um, Hulk in the white suit was pretty funny. And then, of course, it immediately gets ruined, and then we have the pulper pants. Yeah. And I thought it was interesting that they break up a, a slave ring, but then he takes him to a high-class brothel with the idea that, you know, the line between sex slavery and prostitution is pretty tenuous line. Right. And so I thought that was kind of an, an interesting point there in that he breaks it up and then takes part in it, kind of. <laughs> yeah. But they don't, you know, the suggestion here that these are high-class hookers, <laughs> I guess that means they all want to be prostitutes. But anyway, I thought that was an interesting... Uh, it's like they wanted to make a statement about the sex-slave trade but they still wanted to have a little misogyny in there too. <laughs> so it's kind of like it's walking an interesting line, I thought. Well, they wanted to have their sex cake and eat it too. So, Yeah, there you go. But, you know, whatever. Yeah. Um, and the, to me, the best part of one of the best parts of this whole issue is when Wolverine makes an A-team reference. <laughs> Which I thought that was so funny. And especially when he turns, he's got like a brown jacket like Hannibal and he's got a, he's got a cigarette yeah, um, it would have been a great moment for Wolverine to switch to a cigar right there. Yeah, yeah, it would have been. But yeah, I thought that was really funny. A lot of several several great panels in here. The the color still the backgrounds are still similar, but I felt like there was a lot more background stuff going on in this issue. Yeah, I agree. Than the previous one, and maybe it's just because they're doing more in this issue, and so there's more kind of going on in the background, and so I wasn't. As it's not as stark, the color, the solid color, right? Maybe it's just choices. There's more blues and purples, and maybe yeah. part of that's because it's most of it's at night, can be yeah, part of it so. too, but not as many like bright yellows and not as many white backgrounds. This is a couple, there's one where Patch and Mr. Fixit are facing each other, and it's just in white and it really highlights them as characters. Yeah, it's pretty good. I thought the art overall was pretty good. Um, everything just looked really good. I said the only thing I had, the only note I had on the story is that the the Casablanca dialogue got a little too thick at times, but it was still a really fun issue. Yeah, I, I would agree with that. All right. Um, I feel like we're not saying enough, but any other thoughts on this one? Not really. I mean, it's pretty. It's pretty straightforward. The the issue before this is a lot of setup, right? And so then this one is just you just see it play out. Yeah, see the dominoes fall. Yeah, and it's good. I enjoyed it. It's yeah, enjoyable. I enjoyed it a lot. It was a really nice conclusion to the story. Um, and of course, we know the the Madripoor story is not done. Things are still not exactly the way Wolverine would like them. So I'm sure we'll return to it soon. Right. But for now, um, that's the end of this chapter. Uh, what are you going to grade? Or anything else you want to say before we grade it? Um, no, I don't guess so. All right. Well, what do you want to grade Wolverine number eight? Um, I think I'm going to drop down to four, but also barely on the line. Okay. <clears throat> well, I'm going to do the opposite then. Uh, I'm going to raise it up to <laughs> five out of six claws. Um, yeah. I just I had a lot of fun with it. It was a lot of fun. It wasn't as funny as the one before. It was more action packed. Right. So I, yeah, I mean, it's a, the whole the both things. I probably just do. I'll just do fives for both, really, because I thought it was just a good, a good solid two issue Wolverine caper. They 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 go together very well to end out the story with between Koi and Tiger Tiger. Um, yeah. And, and still lots of threads kind of left dangling as well. So 
pointing right. your stuff Apple. with. Corey's still there. We still don't know about Karma's brother and sister. Yeah. Yeah. Lindsay's still, I guess, hanging out with the prince. I don't know. Right. She's what's going on there. But I don't know where, what, I don't know if that storyline when Karma gets resolved in this book or one of the other X books or somewhere else. Um, so I'll, I'll be interested to see as I, as I read along in my other comics, if I'm able to, to see that play out. So, yeah. But yeah. All right. Well, Wolverine number nine is something a little bit different. Um, yeah, so we switched gears a little bit from out of Logan's past, a promise of death. Yeah, this was promises Great. to keep. And we have... Oh, I can't find the... There, there it is. Yeah, about four pages. We have, of course, um, so now we've switched up a lot here, actually. Yeah. Everybody just about... So written by Peter David, art by Gene Colon, Colon. Colon, uh, I think. Yeah. Colon. Letters by Bill Oakley. Colors by Mark Chiarello. Uh, Cover is by Gene Colon, and it looks kind of like a melting face Wolverine throwing a bunch of guys in the distance. Yeah, he's got his claws out. There's a bunch of fire. Yeah, yeah. kind of looks like fire. Kind of looks like explosion. I'm actually not that crazy about the cover, but I like the colors. I like the colors. I like kind of the idea of it. Yeah, but it's I don't know. The Wolverine's face is weird looking. Like it's kind of like it's melting, but kind of not. I think that's an attempt at shadow, but I agree with yeah, you. Yeah, it's, it's kind of weird. So. I don't know. It just it's kind of falls a little flat. But yeah. however, this back cover by Matt Wagner, I love. Oh, yeah. Very, very good. And the colors on it are really, really cool. Yeah. Wolverine charging through the sewer system in the shadows. Yeah. I don't know if it's sewers or not, but walking through what looks looks like like sewer. Yeah, Yeah, it's a really cool cover. And he's like in purple and blue and yellow. And, you know, it's funny looking at his arm hair. It reminds something about this reminds me a lot of John Cassidy as well. I think. Um, and they had astonishing X-Men run. His Wolverine looks very similar to this one. Yeah, so, interesting. But it's a great, great back cover. All right, well, what happens in this story, Cameron? All right, so we open up on a rundown hotel with some ruffians checking in. Uh, they are all spooked and scared, it seems like, walking through the woods when they get into their room. We hear a snick and then a fist to the wall, or a blade to the wall, I should say. And then we have Wolverine hunting in the woods, hunting these guys, killing some of them. And then Malone, who ends up being kind of the main villain character, we'll say, uh, he wakes up. Turns out that he was just dreaming about what Wolverine had already done to them. And then Wolverine really is there. <laughs> <laughs> was dressed like a ghost or something with a towel over his head or something. Snicks throws a guy out the window, says, remember a rock. We start to uncover this idea. Something happened in in the country of Iraq and Wolverine is hunting these guys for it. And so we, we kind of uncover what's happening. Turns out these guys were mercenaries that were hired by Iraqi militants who are trying to take over a U.S. embassy I'm not sure if that really makes sense in the time period, but whatever. <laughs> Malone and the U.S. at the embassy, they, they arrest, they took hostages basically and were waiting for the president to to um, pay the ransom. There's a lady there that Malone, this guy, wants uh, to get it on with basically, but she keeps shutting him down. And so he and the other guys end up taking her and several other hostages out into the courtyard, put them up against the wall, says they're going to execute them, and then their guns go click. And so then apparently they did this a bunch to really just horrify these people. And then it also suggests that he also does a fair amount of rape on this lady as well. Um, And then... They're telling the story, and so then we flash back to them in the woods. They're running. They get on a canoe for some reason. 
Like that, that's going to save him. Wolverine jumps out of the water, kills a bunch of them. Um, now we're down to two guys. One guy tries to kill Malone, saying that the whole thing with the lady was his idea. The whole rock thing was his idea and says that maybe if he kills Malone, Wolverine will spare him. But that guy had a, the rifle was messed up from the water. And so Malone kills that guy. And so he runs to the woods some more. Then Wolverine catches him, reveals the story that basically in that American embassy, there were a few Canadians. And so when the U.S. government uh, ordered Delta Force to go in and free the hostages, Canada sent Weapon X, Wolverine being an asset of the Canadian government at that point still, which um, anyway, so he jumps. Uh, so they had. Anyway, the, the lady turned out to be a Canadian nun. And so when it when it goes bad, the uh, Malone escapes. Some of the other guys, I guess, escaped as well. Uh, it turns out that this is five days to the day. Five years. Five years, I mean, sorry. Five years to the day of when that happened. Hold on. Amy just got home. Ah. We'll pause for a second. Are you recording? Yeah. Right yeah. Okay, we'll pause real quick. Oh. Hey, Jason. Hey, Amy. How's it going? Hey. Yes. Are you scrap happy? Kind of. It ended up being one of those awful, my friend is selling a bunch of crap kind of party. Oh. Uh. <laughs> I got suckered into. Sucker. I have a feeling. I had a feeling because this friend of mine is kind of big into that. Uh, hey. Yeah. But normally she's like, it's this kind of party. But this was just like, hey, it's a craft night. As soon as I get there, her friend was like setting up all her catalogs. And I was like, shit. <laughs> and I was Shame like, you know, the whole time. And I'm like, this is my precious scrapbooking time. Right. I'm not going to buy it. So I was like, I can go two ways. I can, well, three ways. I could just buy something cheaper <laughs> that I'll use. Right. I could be like, oh, let me look through the catalog and I'll get back to you. Right. Or I could just be honest. So at the end, I was like, because it's all these like stamps to make cards, handmade cards, okay. which are cute, but who in the hell has time for that? <laughs> so I was like, Christina, I'm going to be real honest. I take all her stuff and I'm like, slide it back to her. <laughs> I'm just going to give these right back to you because I have three kids. And let's be honest, I don't even have time to go buy a pre-made card, much less make a card. I'm at the point in my life where I just stick a post-it on a gift bag and I'm like, to you from us. You're lucky you got something from us. Lady, who has time? I remember back before three kids, you helped me make a card one time. Did I make you one? You helped me make one, yeah. Oh. For for somebody. and I bet they just threw it away. I mean, let's I, be honest. I doubt it still exists. Yeah. My friend had a stamp that says, and she put it on the back, and it says, I handmade this for you, so now you must keep it forever and ever. <laughs> Which I was like, that's amazing. <laughs> but I'm like, seriously, lady? So I was just honest, and I was so proud of myself. I was like, yeah, way to stand up for yourself. Good job. <laughs> but the good thing is, is my friend, she's not pushy. You know, no she's probably just like, hey, if you want it, buy it. If you don't, no, no big deal. But I literally have this much room to scrapbook in tonight. The good thing is the lady next to me was a hoot and a half, and she was half drunk, so we had a good time. That was the highlight. And another lady came who doesn't scrapbook, and she was like, what are you working on? And she was really funny, and I was like, oh, well, I'm making this book for my daughter for her kinder through fifth grade. She looked at every page like this. Ooh, look at this. Look at this cute little thing. How did you do Like every page, I was like, you are every scrapbooker's <laughs> dream right now. So then she, I was like, thank you for looking at my things I created. And she was like, they're beautiful. I was like, thank you. I wish my family would look at them. <laughs> I know. So how's the, um, the, whatever y'all do here, how's it going? Podcast. Forget what we said. Podcast. Yeah. You got enough device. He's got four screens set up. This is a multi-screened wow. I'm not using the big computer, so. One, two, three, four. Can I have a drink? All right, y'all. I'm going to go pretend like I'm going to watch TV, but I'm sure I'm going to fall asleep. I'm sure you are. 
I'll put headphones in. Classic Amy. There's a solid chance your daughter's still watching TV up there. No, I told you. I'm not worried about what time she goes to bed anymore. You took your computer up there to watch Gilmore Girls. We're hooked on Gilmore Girls. (laughs) I'm going to disappoint one of our biggest fans, but I hate that show. (laughs) You do? I do. I cannot stand. It's too much for me. It's too snappy. Too snappy. Yeah, when I first watched it back in the 90s, that's what I thought. But now that I'm like, try, tried it again, I like it. No, Jason Manzoukas is on the new one, right? Yeah, he loves that show. He's always raving about that show. (laughs) Is one of these mine? What? One of these? Are you using? Yes. Okay, I'll go get my computer. Okay. Bye, Jason. Sorry. Bye, see you next weekend. I'll pick up my iPad and I'm using your Skype. It's cool, darling. Whatever and makes you happy. On the computer. That's why Juju took your computer up there because I took the iPad from her. Whatever makes mm. you happy. <clears throat> yeah, yeah. Right. Do we need to finish this story? <laughs> <laughs> you leave all that in. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Do we really care what happens at the end of this comic? I have, I have like three notes left. Okay, so. go for it. Um, so it turns out it was a nun, a Canadian nun. She ended up being the only civilian casualty. The military was okay with that. Wolverine was not. Wolverine was busy, he says, for a while. But for now, five years, apparently. <clears throat> for five years, he was busy. Then he wasn't. So he says the anniversary of the nun's death is tomorrow. And the nun had promised. He makes an interesting line where he says how a woman whose life was built on love and forgiveness, paraphrasing here, yeah. A woman whose life was built on love and forgiveness had no more forgiveness left because of what this guy did to her. Right. And so she basically pro- makes him promise that, that he'll make them suffer. And so Wolverine, you know, keeps his promises. So yeah. that's what he's doing. And so the guy says, you can't kill me today. The anniversary's tomorrow. And Wolverine says, you forget the time difference, Malone. In Iraq, it is tomorrow. Sicked. Yeah. It should have said it is. The contraction takes away from the line. I, I agree. Because he actually says, in Iraq, it's tomorrow. And he would have said, if he would have said it like you said it, it would have been a better line. Yeah. I think. It should have been, it is tomorrow, instead yeah. of the way it's written here, where it looks like it's tomorrow. I <laughs> like, the two. Right. And then Malone kills himself to take the pleasure away from Wolverine. Wolverine doesn't care. Uh, and then it turns out Wolverine's actually just in that Madripoor drinking, looking at a cross, thinking about this event that apparently happened years ago. Right. And so who knows when that was. Well, he was in his Wolverine uniform, so... But it's his old Wolverine uniform with the, the stripes. Yeah, so it's not sure if it's post or pre-X-Men. Right, but it's probably... I'm going to guess right around that time. Because it's at yeah. least five years ago, and then he says now it's a couple years past that, so it's at least seven years ago that it happens. You know, I do want I want to go backtrack just a second, and and not make it too much of a rant. But you know, he talked about the line and how it was hyphenated. I'm really glad that nowadays letters never hyphenate like that. Yeah, like they just make the word they make the balloons fit or the boxes fit so that words fit all in the same line. <laughs> Because this yeah. was a very, this happened a lot in the 70s and 80s where, you know, they had a certain <clears throat> size, they had to fit the words in. And so if, it needed, yeah. if tomorrow had to be hyphenated, they hyphenated it. I'm glad they don't do that anymore. I agree. It, it makes it, it makes it harder. It makes you have to think for a second when you're reading it. Right. You know, there's one thing I don't want to do when I'm reading. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> yeah. I want to think, but I don't want to think about stuff like that. I want to think about stuff that takes me out of the issue. Right. Yeah. Right. Well, what do you think of the art in this book? I don't like it very much. I think it's terrible. It's and messy. All the everybody's face looks like they're having an allergy attack. They're all right. puffy. Yeah. And I I do want to say because Gene Colan came over from DC, and I I don't have a lot of his old DC stuff, but I have some of it, and it's pretty good. Yeah. Right. And concurrent to this. He's also doing a 25-part Black Panther story in Marvel Comics Presents. 25 Bo- parts? Yeah, we well, remember that was an anthology book, so each story is only like uh, a ha- handful of pages. But yeah. still, 25 parts is pretty long. Um, 
And it was, but it's a really cool story of a Black Panther looking for his mom in South Africa. Yeah. And it's kind of very, there's all these undertones, obviously, of the politics. But his art in that story is really good. Yeah. So I feel this, like uh, they're like, uh, we need someone to draw this story here. You draw it. And he's like, okay, <laughs> here you go. And it's just, it's terrible. Particularly kind of the reveal where we see Wolverine in his X-Men costume and he's standing in front of Malone on page 25. Yeah. Like, doesn't even look like a person. Like, I don't know what's going on with that panel. Like, I that agree. is It's terrible. And the, even the panel below it isn't good. Wolverine's teeth are bright yellow. Yeah. The next time around, the, the bottom panel where he's facing Malone isn't as bad, but his leg and his crotch are all weirdly shaped. No, that's what I'm talking about. It's, it's terrible. Yeah. Oh, I thought you were talking about the, the very first where he steps out from behind the... Oh, that was not very good either. Yeah. Yeah, and then, yeah, none of these are very good. But yeah, this one's even worse. Yeah, and then even the face you go to the where he's in Madripoor, his face is weird looking. It looks like he's got one tooth. Yeah. It doesn't look like Wolverine. The only one I like is the one that's kind of from when Wolverine's after Malone dies. And yeah. he has his claws out and you see him from the side. You see yeah, his hair. Yeah, that's not bad. Like, yeah, that's a pretty good one. Then the idea of him walking like away and kind of into his eye, like, that's yeah. kind of a cool transition, but it's not enough this to save like, the book. This is like James James Bond to me, though. Oh, true. Uh, I can see that. Yeah, yeah. I don't. It was. I was not good. I, I did not think it was good. And as far as the story in general, I like Peter David. Uh, this for a, kind of a serious story on revenge and a nun losing her compassion. Really? really dark it's dark but it's also i feel like it tried and failed too hard to be funny at times i just well, like I didn't, even, I didn't even get that i guess oh uh, i don't know um maybe it wasn't I think funny you're probably right i just wasn't it's funny just the way these guys are talking like the guy stuck at the desk with the playboy and um, uh, i guess that's true you had some moments that were supposed to be kind of funny yeah but they weren't. And all the tough talking with the bad guys, trying to kind of jaw jacking at each other. Like, oh, he's a loon. You'll make him angry. Oh, make him angry. You're beautiful, Bruno. I mean it. You're beautiful. Now shut up or I'll kill you myself. I, I, it's all that kind of stuff. I just, I don't know. Yeah. It was also just too horrible of a story. It just, it's such, it's such an awful story of something to happen <laughs> to somebody. And it's like, yeah, you're glad all these guys died, but I guess the idea is so you're, the idea that Wolverine's just hunting down and killing all these guys in the woods, it becomes okay because they're so awful. Right. But at the same time, it's a bummer of a story. It is. It's a. It's one of those weird things that is. It's a bummer of a story, and the actual story itself, like the story we see play out, is not that interesting. No, it's not. Uh, the it's bad the, guys are not good characters. And the, they'll later, it's the kind of story that later, later writers will do with Wolverine that'll be really cool. A right. really cool one issue Wolverine past story right. that really kills it. But this is the opposite of that. This <laughs> yes. is just not a good story. It's sad. It doesn't really reveal anything about Wolverine except that. He cares about justice, but we knew that already. So right. it's, nothing, it's not revealing a past thing, except that he worked with Delta Force, but that's... I don't think that's a big reveal at this point. Right. That he was an asset of the government. We know all that already. Yeah. I, I mean, we see some emotional growth kind of at the end, where he talks, because the lady asks, well, who avenged him? Was it you? And he goes, no, a man like me. More of a loner, more vicious, more lots of things, but less of a man. And that's kind of interesting, yeah. but but that one kind of emotional moment doesn't make up for the rest of the issue, in my opinion. No, I agree. It was a total. I don't know. I don't even know what it, I don't even what you consider this issue. It wasn't. It, <laughs> it reminded me of like the a really bad version of like in the '90s when they'll start throwing all those random. You know, like the, one of the best examples is the one the uh, what is it two. 
Uncanny 2, like 63 or something, where Captain America, you have that one issue where it's like... Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah Captain you, America. Like yeah. this, which is like a random story in the middle of stuff, but it's really good. It tells right. you a lot about Wolverine's going on. Really interesting. All those stories in the 90s with, with Maverick, you know, when they kind uh -huh. of start to reveal the Maverick and Creed, you know, that kind of stuff. It reminded me of all those stories, except not good. Right. <laughs> but just a, but a bummer of a story, poorly drawn, poorly written. Right. And, and just a lackluster output by creators who are normally pretty good. I think that's yeah. almost as much of a bummer is that, yeah, Peter David and Gene Cohen, that should be a cool issue, and it's just not. Yeah, it's it's interesting to think about who who had this idea. Whose idea was this? Right. And why did they? Why did? Why is it so boring and not right. good? Well, <laughs> any closing thoughts on these issues? Anything else you want uh, to say? Yeah, two great issues followed by a real stinker. <laughs> yeah, it's gonna happen sometimes, I guess. So yeah. All right. Cool. Well, what else you want to say? Um, I got nothing really. All right. Awesome. Well, still waiting to see Logan. Yeah, I know. Don't start have babies, kids. Listeners. Babies start, having start babies. Tweeting him. Yeah, right. Yeah, the babies do ruin everything. <laughs> start tweeting David. Start tweeting Jason nonstop to go see Logan. There you go. Do it. Speaking of Twitter, what, what's, what's your Twitter? <laughs> At Cameron Sinclair. Nice. And of course, ours is at Snickcast. Um, you can like the Facebook page. Uh, the email that you won't use is snickcast at yahoo.com. And show notes and stuff are on the website at snickcast.podbean.com. Um, Cameron will be back soon. And um, yeah, I guess that's it. So until next time, hugs and snicks, everybody. Bye. See you later. And snacked.